Hello and welcome to PathPod. I'm Dr. Mike Arnold of Children's Hospital Colorado and this is our next episode of the PathPod Quiz Show. Our guests today are Lauren Miller, a fourth-year medical student at the Medical College of Wisconsin, Dr. Brett Kirpiel, a second-year resident at the University of Virginia, and Dr. Cosibe Dante, assistant professor at Drexel Thanks University. Now here's your host, Dr. Sarah Jang, Dr. Christina Arnold, and Dr. Kamran Mirza. Hello and welcome everyone to the next episode of the PathPod Quiz Show. This episode features, in addition to your usual hosts, myself, Dr. Sarah J, my co-host, Dr. Christina Arnold. Hey y'all. Uh, we have a special guest co-host who is Kamran Mirza. What's up, Kamran? Hey guys, how are you? Yay. Dr. Michael Arnold is here too. All right. So our special guests who will be playing today are Lauren Miller, who is a fourth year medical student at the Medical College of Wisconsin, Brett Kirpiel, who is a PGY2 at UVA Pathology, and Cassidy Dante, who's a staff pathologist at Allegheny Health Network, Cytopathology Fellowship Director, and Assistant Professor at Drexel University College of Medicine. Welcome, PGY everybody. PGY 15, right? That's PGY 15. <laughs> I love that. One of our internists, he signs his notes in Epic, like PGY 26. And I feel like that is dedication to keep track of that and keep that there. So yeah. How was everybody's weekend? Pretty good. Relaxing. Yeah. I went to a drag show on Saturday night, which was very fun. So that was a good time. <laughs> that does sound fun. That does sound fun. How was ASC, Sarah? Oh, yeah. I was just in Vegas for the American Society for Cytopathology meeting. And I know that there are some folks in the audience who are not cytopathologists, but I just have to let this be said. Cytopathologists are the most fun people. It was so fun. (laughs) There was dancing. There was learning. There was seeing old friends. There were cool sunglasses. It was just, just delightful. Just I mean, I feel like at Loyola Pathology, I cannot disagree with you. I do say <laughs> that you know the, the time of the year where I really almost regret not becoming a cytopathologist is when you guys have your ASC meeting because it's so fun. But then I go back to normal and loving that. So <laughs> it is what it is. How was your weekend, Christina? Good. We went uh, hiking. We were at 10,000 feet. We did like five, six miles. And Mike's like, this is really hard. And I keep forgetting to scale, but when you go to 10,000 feet, like it's not like walking at 5,000 feet at sea mm-hmm. level. It's mm-hmm. just like, it requires a certain amount of extra neck musculature. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were hiking and what else did we do? We took Matt, our daughter, we lured her to the zoo. She's now 15 and very much against family activities, mm. but she had this activity at school in the morning. So we're like, Oh, you know what? We're going to, now you have no choice. So we took her to the zoo. We had such a great time. We watched the Adams family too last Ooh. night. So it was just a great, like week family weekend. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Good. And 10,000. Yeah, that's very, very high elevation. Maybe I should come visit and do some hiking with the Arnolds. Do it. It is great. We saw bighorn sheep. Actually, the first site we went to, there was no one around. There was a big sign that said bear area. And we just decided to not go to that one because we we're like, yeah, this totally feels like a bear area site. <laughs> I can like sense it. <laughs> Mike's like, we, we got to tell people where we're going because one of these days, you know, but we made it. We survived. We're here to tell the story. Bear area. That does sound a little bit nerve wracking. You know, I can never remember what you're supposed to do for wildlife. There's like all different things you're supposed to do for different threatening wildlife for bears. Is it like you stand up and make yourself well, like, let me really tell big? you what, there's mm. like one set of bears. You stand up and make, get yourself big. Now for the other set of bears that will get them very triggered. So oh. you have to know what you're doing, or you could just get the bear very upset. So what I've learned, grizzly bears play dead and roll over. Black bears are very scary. So the black bears are the ones you want to yell at. And we have seen a black bear in real life on the trails. It is so complicated. So you have to identify what kind of bear it is, which means you have to be close enough to the bear to find identifying features. You can and tell then from the afar. Term- you can oh tell my from God. afar. You're like no. your ancestor caveman senses. You can tell from afar. Like you might be able to tell from afar. I feel like I do not. Aren't all bears kind of black? I mean, I could tell a polar bear, I guess, but basically, right. like that's not. You no. know, that's like the, and only the grizzlies situation. can be black and the black bears can be brown. But mm. what I say is that when it's your time, it's your time. <laughs> Like, don't even bother. (laughs) This summer we were in Glacier National Park. And, you know, one of the things that I was kind of 
not scared by but it was at the back of my mind like we were camping and we basically had no actual like structure like it was just the tent and you know even in the campsite there were bear sightings all the time when we entered the person at the main desk was like okay well in the last hour we've seen bears here 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 and here and i'm like i literally the tent was right in the middle and i was like what are we doing here but we survived, we survived to tell the tale as well and i'm glad that we did Oh my gosh, did you wind up seeing any bears? We saw one just at the end when it was, we were in a car and it was far away and it was perfect. That's exactly how I wanted to see it. And it was wonderful. Checkbox. Wonderful. You know, seeing the bear in the wildlife. Was it a grizzly or a black bear? I think it was a grizzly, but we were far away from it though. I grew up just outside of Pittsburgh and we have. Oh, you um, did? Yes. Yeah. I grew up in um, Ligonier is where I'm from. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have lots of bears there and we had lots of bears in our backyard. And we had one like den in our backyard that the game commission had to come and tranquilize the mom and take her out and take all the babies out. But I don't know if this will project well, but here's me holding (laughs) the baby bear. When they came oh to my pick God. up the, the bears, they carried them up and let us hold them. So That is amazing. Sarah, yeah. we have to put that picture in like the cover art for this. Oh, yeah. We are going to have that picture as the cover art. It's just like, baby brat, baby bear. Oh, so cute. So cute. <laughs> you say the mom, was, the mom was tranquilized, right? Yeah, they knocked I mean, her out. Sure. Yeah, yeah before, her before they started like handing sure? her babies to random dudes. To yes. Yeah, yeah, that seems like a you, good idea. You made sure of that. Yes. Oh my, gosh. oh my gosh. Poor mama bear. I really feel for her. I feel for her. Just knock. Actually, I don't know. Maybe she wanted the nap. Maybe she was like excited about the rest. Because I have to imagine baby bears are a lot of work. Because um, baby humans are a lot of work. Right? I remember That's in right. med school. There was a woman and it was before they had individual rooms. So it was just kind of, you walk in and everyone has a curtain and loud people would be in there for 20 hours to get seen. And this woman, she was so, I walked in and she was like the just picture of serenity. I've never seen someone so calm. When I was talking to her, I was like, you know, how are you doing? How are you feeling? She's like, I have six kids. I'm doing great. No rush. I love it here. And I was like, yes, you know, it's like, that's what it is. The moms of the world. Like when you get used to having like lots of children and all their needs, and then all of a sudden you're somewhere where you actually don't have to do anything for anyone, but rest. (laughs) It's like amazing. I feel like it really speaks to the stress of having offspring that it's like better to be hanging out, waiting to be seen in a hospital. (laughs) Oh, Oh, but yeah, that does sound actually kind of relaxing. I feel like I can fall asleep anywhere. I used to think like getting on a plane, flying all day was stressful. Like, gosh, you know what? I don't have anyone to, I just just have to sit in this chair and read my book. Now, you know, it's just kind of like the perspective of everything. So delightful. And now I've got my noise canceling headphones. I'm in my own little happy bubble of productivity and watching movies. I love that. Actually, one of the things I miss about travel is that time on the plane to get to like focus on projects, read your books, and no one can text you, which is great. (laughs) All right. Well, are y'all ready to play some games? Dr. Mirza, take it away. All right, I am ready to play the game since I will be asking the questions. I'm so excited. And so it is my honor today to be speaking to Lauren. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. So I know Lauren really well. She is a goddess of pathology <laughs> applicants and medical students right now. And I know that she must be interviewing at this particular time, knowing where she is. And so on behalf of PathPod, we wish you all the best. And whatever program you choose will be super lucky. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes, the interview trail is long, but I've been enjoying it. I'm sure. I'm sure you are acing it. So the first part of the show is the medical student kind of quiz. So it's like a series of board style questions that I'll ask. I thought that for the listeners who may not know you, we'll get to know you a little bit before we go on with the question. So how about you tell us, I know your journey is super unique to get to pathology specifically. So tell us a little bit about how you picked pathology. So to really go back, I picked PATH all the way back as my senior year in high school because I took a three-week high school introduction to clinical laboratory medicine at Marquette University, which then became my alma mater. And I absolutely fell in love with it. I remember measuring glucose in a serum specimen on a 1970s era spectrophotometer, and that just got me hooked. And so going through college, I knew that the laboratory was really my home. And then I went to medical school and everyone goes, you should be a pathologist. And I'm like, well, I'm going to keep an open mind, which I did. But anytime that I went through rotation, I knew absolutely 
lab is my home. I was looking for all of the opportunities that I could actually get back into the lab, whether I was on medicine or surgery or anything. So that was really telling for me. But then I also have this other arm of my journey where I went and got a master's in health law because why would I not add more years to medical school? And so I went to Loyola, actually, where Dr. Mears is, although I was a virtual student at the time. And I have a master's of jurisprudence in health law with a certification in healthcare compliance. So moving forward, I'm looking at molecular genetics, hopefully that may change. I'm applying APCP just to make sure I have my big, broad experience before I pick a subspecialty. But I really hope to be on the forefront of precision medicine and help navigate the barriers and red tape as we're offering new laboratory-developed genetic tests or even new testing platforms to patients to make sure that we can really drive forward this idea of genomics. And so I'm excited. We'll see where my career lands, but so far, so good. I mean, your career will land at the top. That's where it's going to go. Basically. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if people weren't convinced when I told them that she's a goddess, now I'm pretty certain that they are. So although you will now become the next leader in pathology, I'm pretty certain if it wasn't medicine, did you have an alternative career before you went to medical school? I wanted to be a book editor. I was obsessed with reading as a kid. I'm still obsessed with reading, although I don't necessarily have the time. And especially now that I have my own little four-month kiddo who doesn't let me sit down long enough to read a book, I was truly considering going that route. And then I discovered science and biology, and that just went right out the window. <laughs> oh, you, you know. still have opportunities to do editing in science, I'm right? Sorry. You know, I, I mean, think, think of all the editing we do and reviewing. So those skills will not go to waste. I think so. I think those skills will just make you just blossom even more in pathology. They're so, so valuable. Well, I'm starting to dip my toe into publishing and looking at different manuscripts and all that sort of fun jazz. So hopefully it'll come back around and I'm excited to explore more opportunities. I love that. So before we start with the questions, given your really treasure of experience for the people who might be aspiring pathologists or people in medical school or in biology majors right now thinking about it, what advice do you have for medical students who may not have considered pathology before? Honestly, my best advice is just get in the lab. If you haven't met a pathologist already, we are probably, I say we because I'm about to become one, but yes, yes. We are the most friendly, energetic, outgoing group of people you could ever meet. And it we do not fit the stereotype of, oh, we're just buried in our microscopes in our little rooms without windows. So if you have any sort of inkling of you may want to do pathology, hunt down your local pathologist and ask to shadow. They will absolutely love you for it and will show you all of the wonderful things about this field. And even if you don't want to do pathology, guess what? You're going to be talking to a pathologist throughout your career as a physician. So you should come and just join the lab. You heard it here, guys. This is the career to be in. And with people such as yourselves and Brett, it's just going to be amazing. I'm so excited for the future. But now it's time to turn our attention to these questions. So I will be reading you some board style questions. And when you provide the correct answer, you win a point and win enough points and you will be winning drum roll, a very prized pathpod ruler, which we all have, at least some of us have. And you know, the, they're definitely coveted prizes. So are you ready? Yes. And I will say I've been listening to PathPod from the very beginning. So I've been waiting for my opportunity to there get one of these rulers. I will tell All you. Right. <laughs> Excellent. All right. First question. A patient is seen by a dermatologist for a wart on his finger that's approximately five millimeters from his nail. A common histologic feature of warts is the presence of A, intracytoplasmic parasites, B, intranuclear viruses, C, intracytoplasmic bacteria, D, intranuclear yeast, or is it intracytoplasmic fungi? I'm going to have to go with B, viruses. Yay, excellent, excellent. One for one. <laughs> All right, next question. A male medical student is married and has a child from his wife's previous marriage. They've been trying to have a child in common for several years, but have been unable to do so. They seek the advice of a fertility specialist who asks the husband if he has chronic lower respiratory infections. When the husband replies in the affirmative, the physician supposes that the husband may be sterile and suggests a series of tests. What is the physician suspecting? A, is it low testosterone? B, is it blockage of the seminiferous tubules? C, primary ciliary dyskinesia? D, bilateral cryptorganism? It would be C, 
I forget what the answer is. Yes, <laughs> dyskinesia. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Coming closer and closer to this bad for ruler. You are just killing it. This is amazing. All right. Next question. A 46-year-old woman with prominent splenomegaly presents with a three-month history of malaise, easy fatigability, weakness, weight loss, and anorexia. A CBC and DIF demonstrates a white blood cell count of 250,000 with the predominance of myelocytes, metamyelocytes, MANS, and sex. There's no increase in BASTs. Cytogenetics is most likely to reveal which of the following translocations. Sorry, I had to put some heme in here. Is it translocation 814, translocation 922, translocation 1122, or translocation 1418? Translocation 922, Philadelphia chromosome. Excellent, excellent. I was like, she has to get this one. And, you know, it's kind of going towards molecular two cytogenetics. So it's all up, uh, you know, your alley. I love that. Killing it. I know, right? I was going to say, like, that question was giving me stress as I was reading it out. And I'm looking at the right answer right here on my page. So, you know, when I put it in, I was like, this would be really unfair for me to ask. But I know that she's amazing. And she's also a medical laboratory scientist in the background. So, like, you know, she totally got it. And I I was right. So I'm excited. I would just want to tell the audience, as someone who's in the background, there's no editing for this. Lauren's just killing it just because she just knows pathology so well. So I'm That's so impressed right. too. And I just want to give her- No, it's amazing. It's amazing. Okay. So, <laughs> so I'm going to give her the last question. All right. The parents of a 17-year-old boy with Down syndrome seek counseling because they are concerned that their son may develop a life-threatening disorder known to be associated with his chromosomal abnormality. The physician should be prepared to discuss which of the following disorders in terms of its association with Down syndrome. A, is it very aneurysm of the circle of Willis? B, Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease? C, acute lymphoblastic leukemia? Or D, medullary carcinoma of the thyroid? Think life-threatening. C, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Very good. Actually, you know what? It's funny because when I was thinking about the answer to this, so it could be very aneurysm of the circle of Willis or acute lymphoblastic leukemia. So you get the answer. I'm very proud of you. Good job. Well, see, when you say very aneurysm of the circle of Willis, my brain automatically goes to Marfan's. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I was like, you know, when even when I was writing this down, I was like, you know, this may not be the right one, but I we will take ALL and you are four for four and you win the Pathboard Ruler. Yay! Congrats. <laughs> Yay! Congratulations. Congratulations. How do you feel, you Lauren, you now that you've won the ruler? Miller? I'm very excited. And I will definitely take a picture of my daughter, seeing if I could get her to hold the ruler, because if I have my way, she will be a future physician. If my husband has his way, she'll be a future like tech giant. So we got to start them early. Wow. Well, you know, we always say that the PathPod ruler is very important for measuring the stacks of money. And I feel like either of those career pathways, she can use that heirloom path pod ruler to measure stacks of money if rulers are still even a thing in the future of digital whatever. If she's four months old, she's probably going to try to eat it. because And they are, they're made of plastic. I have no idea whether they are food safe plastic. I think they're so- delicious. As, as a caveat, PathPod cannot endorse eating a PathPod ruler. It makes no, oh gosh, where's my lawyer husband when I need to come up with a waiver of liability like on the well, fly? Well, we always say, don't do it. We, we take say. no responsibility for the effects of eating said PathPod rulers. They are meant for entertainment purposes only and not meant to be measuring devices or snacks for your children. My How's God. that? That's that good, right? That's, That's a good perfect. Disclaimer. That's pretty good. That's perfect. Good disclaimer. <laughs> See, I'm learning a little bit of like, my husband's like osmosing some medical information, so he thinks, and I'm osmosing some lawyer information, so I think. And I think we're probably both wrong, but it's kind of fun anyway. All right. Excellent job, Lauren. And now next, we have our resident game with Brett. Brett, welcome. Welcome. Tell us about yourself. Hi. Yes. I'm so happy to be here. Well, my name is Brett Kerpule. I'm a PGY2 at UVA. I went to UVA for medical school, so I've been hanging out here for six years now. And yeah, I've loved pathology since before I started med school and kind of knew coming in that that's what I wanted to do. And I plan on doing PD path with my life once I finish residency. Awesome. Well, you're in good company with Dr. Mike Arnold here as well. Yes, definitely. Cool, cool. And what's your favorite part of being a pathologist? Probably, I think, being able to have such a collaborative environment with my co-residents and attendings, things like that, really getting to think through problems and come up with solutions on, you know, trying to 
figure out cases and diagnostic skills. And I think it's just nice to have a little bit of involvement in everything that goes on in the hospital. Yeah, I know. Solving puzzles is so great, right? And then being people with the answers. So I know that you have some really fun hobbies outside of pathology as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about those? Yeah. Well, if anyone sees me on Twitter, they know that I do love to bake very much. Yes. Um, (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. So that's what I do for like my stress relief on my Sunday afternoons before I head back to work on Monday is I do a lot of baking just kind of to relax from the week. And I love to bring the stuff in. My co-residents are very happy that I like to bake because I bring everything in for them to eat. Yeah. And then I also, I am very into fitness and exercise. So I coach some Pilates style classes at a local gym and I try to get out and do workouts every day. So yeah, I try to stay active and makes up for the baking at the end of the week. So. Wow. Wow. I feel like our guests are selling pathology so well, like (laughs) in, but come to pathology, you will be showered with amazing baked goods by your colleagues and you have time to stay in shape too. Right. Yeah. Could not have teamed that up better for the work-life balance, but I definitely feel like it's true. Pathologists have great hobbies. Many of us bake, I bake, um, and many of us really love being outdoors and staying in shape. That's not me, but you know, and I know a lot of the rest of you guys like exercise and all that stuff. So viewers awesome. can't see us all nodding our heads. Like, yeah, we all love to bake. We love we to exercise. Love, kind we love of. baking. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So Brett, what is your best piece of advice? And this can be life advice, medicine advice, advice in general. I feel like kind of life and medicine, just everything overall is just to be yourself. That's my best piece of advice. It's so, it sounds so basic, but I found, you know, took a while for me to come out when I was younger. And so once I was able to be myself, I was kind of the most confident person I can be. And now um, very proudly gay and out there. And so I think being yourself unlocks your future and allows you to live life to your fullest and really be who you want to be and helps you out in that way. So yeah, that's my advice for everyone. And in the world of medicine, be yourself. If you are a crazy pathologist, then you be that crazy pathologist. I love it. I love love that so much. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And for everybody, (laughs) right? Like what I find is like the younger generation, so incredible in terms of having an open mind, but that advice applies also to those of us who are a little bit older, like just be yourself folks so much easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. The idea of being a whole person, bringing your whole person to work. And I have to just one more digression about cytopathology. So Dr. Wojcik, Eva Wojcik is the chair at Loyola, won the Papa Nicolau award from the ASC, which is their most prestigious award. And as part of it, you give an address and her address was so, so beautiful. It's inspiring. I think you might be able to watch it on the ASC website, but one of the things that she emphasized is to be a whole person, how important it is to be a whole person. She showed pictures of her gardening, her fishing, her family. And this is someone who just won this society's most prestigious award. And so having those kind of leaders in the field who model that ability to be a a whole person, I think is so, so important. So yes, thank you, Brett. Great advice. Great advice. Brett, how did you get lucky enough to figure out you were interested in pediatric pathology? Because I know a lot of residents (laughs) don't find out about it until much, much later in their residency. Yes. Yeah, so I went back when I was a med student in my third year on my peds rotation, I had a really very challenging, challenging scenario for everyone that ended up taking a long time to get a diagnosis for this patient. And I just found once we figured it out and got everything like treatment started, and I really liked how Dr. Robin Legallo is our pediatric pathologist here at UVA. And she is phenomenal. And so she kind of rallied everything together. And she, you know, just the role that she played in figuring out what was going on and that diagnostic skill. And also she played a pretty intimate role with communicating with the teams, which I really valued. And so she kind of introduced me to pediatric pathology during my med school years. And then even now in residency, we talk ped stuff all the time. And I'm most interested in placental pathology and perinatal pathology. And so I work with her on all sorts of interesting placental cases and also any like fetal or neonatal autopsies. She always shows me interesting cases. So yeah, it was Dr. Legallo, as well as a little bit of experience during my med school years. I have to say pediatric pathologists are the smartest pathologists. I really believe this. I think that, you know, it takes so much brain power to be a pediatric pathologist. And Robin Legallo is amazing. She is so inspirational. But of course, Mike Arnold is amazing too. And the whole society of pediatric pathology is amazing. So this is really, really great, Brad. We're so excited for you. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm so pumped to join the ranks of the pediatric pathologists one day. 
I have to say, like pediatric pathologists are so nice. Like if you notice all the different areas of medicine have their own things, like the ER folks are like, they're your bros. You want to go have beers with them. You want to go to the picnic. You want to play all the games with them. You want them on the softball team, right? Everyone has their own field. Like I feel like the pediatricians across the board, pediatric surgeons, pediatricians, pediatric pathologists, they're just so nice. They're so nice. Michael Handel will call and I'll be like, wow, you are so much nicer than me. I would not have done that. It's like, it's like, like someone paged me at 11. I wouldn't be like, hi, I'm so excited. I'm going to help you. I'm right there. I would be, I would be like, my God, it's 11. What are we doing? (laughs) So nice. He's so nice, which I think is why he gets more calls than I do, but neither here or there. We're so happy that you'll be doing PD pad. There's a hidden little bit of life advice there from Dr. Arnold, you know, like if you're nice, you'll get called more. Maybe that's my experience. (laughs) No, that's not my advice. That's not my advice. That's that's nope. Nope. Not advice. Not advice. Experience, maybe. <laughs> all right. So as you all know, I tend to create some crazy games. And so thank you all for bearing with me. Um, this game I have called ABCs or Acronyms Being Confusing. In medicine, <laughs> we often use acronyms, right? And you know, when you're first going on the wards, a medical student, you peek in the chart, you see all these abbreviations. There's like H-T-N, G-E-R-D, B-K-A, D-M, not to be confused with the Twitter DM. It's like its own language, right? All the different acronyms. And then each specialty has its own language, its own sub-language of acronyms. And I feel like pathology, we are just as guilty as everyone else of coming up with these crazy long acronyms. So this game is going to be about acronyms and each answer in this quiz is going to be a pathology entity with an acronym, which is also a word. And so each clue is going to give hints as to both the entity and the meaning of the word acronym. I have minimized the puns in this one because I want <laughs> to spare everybody that kind of like pain that typically arises. If you all in the audience think of puns, feel free to torture us with them. But I myself, I'm trying to turn over a new leaf here. I'm not going to be as punny. So I'm going to give you an example of the game. For example, if I said this sarcoma arising from skeletal muscle cells and showing nests of neoplastic cells with architecture reminiscent of lung air sacs can arise in the head, neck, torso, or these upper extremities, as suggested by the acronym, you would answer ARMS, arms or alveolar rhabdomyosarcoma. sarcoma. And I saw you nodding there, Brett, but mm-hmm. you know, I figured I'd let you sit this one out. Okay. So oh, you should have put that one in. I would have been like, oh, yes, uh, A-R-M-S. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Excellent. We'll give you that as a gimme. I could tell that you, you did it as a, pedi- a future pediatric pathologist. All right. So clear as mud, ready to play? Ready to go. All right. Your first question. You may not understand every word, but you'll get the substance or essence of a speech or text. If that describes you, perhaps you can also make the diagnosis of the subepithelial spindle cell tumors found in the stomach or small intestine and believed to arise from the interstitial cells of Cajal. All right. I'm going to go with uh, GIST, gastrointestinal stromal tumor. <laughs> very good. Very good. And since you nailed that one, I have a bonus question. Okay. Do you know what is the most common mutation? Seekit. Of course. (laughs) Very good. All right. Our next question is, this is a rare low-grade spindle cell mesenchymal neoplasm, often of the distal extremities, which is characterized by ectatic thin-walled vessels surrounded by spindle to epithelioid neoplastic cells with variable pleomorphism. Perhaps if you make this diagnosis correctly, your attending will describe your diagnosis with this slang term meaning superb, gratifying, or excellent not to be confused with a very similar sounding word meaning obese. Oh my gosh. Sorry, that was a very long question. <laughs> <It> <laughs> is. Oh God. Um, the slang term might be actually even before your time, Brett. You know, it's just a little bit, I feel like of a mid nineties, like mm-hmm. kind of like slang. Let's see. Yeah, I was like one back then. So <laughs> you were uh... like one back then. So obviously <laughs> it's not fair. It is a slang term that sounds like okay. a derogatory term that means obese. Is it uh fat? <laughs> it is yes. fat, yes. Like 
I don't know what the tumor is. T-H-A-T, I'm assuming. It is T-H-A-T. Okay. That's right. Do you want to phone a friend? Yes, I would. Anyone. P-H-A-T. Dr. Mirza, what is P-H-A-T? You are correct. It is P-H-A-T. And I only know because I have the notes in front of me. It is pleomorphic hyaluronizing angiectetic tumor, fat. This okay. has always been one of my favorite tumors just because Back in my day, you could use that as a uh, slang term. But yeah, so PHAT, pleomorphic hyalinizing angiectatic tumor of soft parts. It's actually one of three similar entities, which include fat, hemosiderotic fibrolipomatous tumor, and mixo-inflammatory fibroblastic sarcoma. All of these have been described to have a translocation 110 involving, you know, TGF receptor beta receptor three and MGEA5 gene. So these entities kind of have overlapping features and some overlapping genetics as well. And yes, that is May that. I just say at some point, if we ever wanted to just see me, I mean, this this podcast really is like delivering the content. Did you guys just hear everything Dr. Jang just said? It is blowing my mind. Tune in to learn pathology the fun way. This is how it's done. Right? <laughs> like Dr. I said, James, I felt like I needed to like turn over a new leaf with my game writing to add some actual education I mean, and not I'm just like learning. dad jokes, you know, not that there's anything wrong with dad jokes, but we're all learning together. Filling we're it. all learning together. Yeah. I wrote down fat so that I can learn it more later. <laughs> I know. And then you can just drop that. You can just drop that in. And then like when you drop in the fact that fat and HFLT and MIFS are part of the same group of entities, which is something I learned when I was researching for this episode, your attendings are going to be like, oh my gosh, Brad, we wish you were doing our type of pathology and not pediatric <laughs> pathology. You know, this maybe I'd find out, I'll just say, oh, we should keep fat on the differential just to say, you know, oh, look, I know what this thing is, even if it has nothing to do with anything. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a great differential. And you should be really careful that your attending doesn't think you're calling them fat. Like since you're fattening up with so many baked goods, right? (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) I think I'm going to use that in my heme fat differential now. This bone marrow looks like it might be (laughs) (laughs) P-H-A-T. You can be like, this marrow aspirin is totally fat. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing it back to editing. One of my favorite things in the world was there was a book about hematopathology where there was an editorial error on the spine and it was hematophatology. And that was one of my favorite things as a resident, just that little like lack of editing and misspelling on the, anyway. So these are the nerdy things that I remember from my residency, unlike entities like that. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. You are doing awesome. Next question. And I feel like you're going to get this one for sure. So as the Carly Simon song goes, you walked into the party like you were walking onto a yacht. And you probably think this game is about you, don't you? Well, you're right. And hopefully you'll also be right when you're making the diagnosis of this human papillomavirus related pre-malignant condition characterized by dysplastic changes in the vaginal epithelium without stromal invasion. Yes, I would say you're so vain that you yeah. probably think this song is about you. <laughs> don't you, don't you. I was really trying not to sing it because no, <laughs> no one needs that specific kind of torture. Yes, exactly, exactly. Vaginal intraepithelial neoplasia or vein. All right, you are, what are we, three for three so far? Only two more left, only two more left. Not to be confused with a long-running Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. This is the former term for a salivary tumor that often often arises in the base of tongue or minor salivary gland, which is actually a variant of polymorphous adenocarcinoma showing pale nuclei with marked chromatin clearing resembling that of papillary thyroid carcinoma. Hmm. Let's see here. Are you a musical fan, Brett? I'm not, no. Oh, I'm oh, so sorry. I, I, I am, like, obviously. If I mean, only it's, I it's, it's a very, it's, it's a very famous and frankly, to my mind, quite bizarre musical. Yeah. Is it one that maybe Dame Judy Dench was in the live action? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Cats for this Exactly. One. Yes. Yes. Do you know the tumor? Um, I feel like I should, but... I it's a head neck one. It's a little bit of a rare entity. So cats is 
one of my favorite diagnoses. Sadly, we don't actually call it cats anymore. So it's cribriform adenocarcinoma of the tongue. And now we call it cribriform adenocarcinoma of the tongue and other minor salivary glands or CAMS, which is not as good as cats, oh, right? Yeah, I, you know, definitely was thinking, oh, the CAMS, cat. Oh, oh yeah, no. clearly. I, yeah. So really <laughs> the question's not fair because it's asking about outdated terminology. But I was just so sad because there was a brief period of time when we were calling it cat and I never got a case of it during that time. Very sad. But this is important because it is a variant of polymorphous adenocarcinoma. And the key point here is that actually it's a pitfall for papillary thyroid carcinoma because it can present as kind of a neck mask. It's going to look papillary. It's going to have optic clearing and like PTC, super, super common, right? So you'll get it. You'll be like metastatic PTC, but to avoid going down the tubes, you can do some stains, right? It's going to be TTF1 negative and then positive for S100 and SOX10. So cribriform adenocarcinoma of the tongue and minor salivary glands. Another good okay. one to throw into your differential there. Not even when we're in the head and neck. I'll be anywhere else in the body. I'll be like, you know, I was thinking. I would, I'm not sure about that, but you know, not as good. Not as good. Could this be cats? And your, your attendings will be super, super confused. Yes. Could this be cats? Uh, yes. Okay. All right. So last question. Ah, boy, this game has been stressful. I bet you'd like to take a relaxing visit to one of these locations that might feature massages, hydrotherapy, or saunas. But alas, before you can relax, you'll have to identify this salivary gland lesion with histologic findings, including fibrosis, cystic alterations, and apocrine metaplasia. It was originally described as being akin to fibrocystic changes in the breast. Do you know what this is? Spa. Ah, yes, exactly. So relaxing. And the name of the tumor? I don't think I know the name of this one. It is sclerosing polycystic adenoma, formerly sclerosing polycystic adenosis. So yeah, this occurs, sorry, this, I'm a head and neck pathologist, so I had all the head and neck uh, abbreviations, but it, it was originally thought to be kind of like fibrocystic changes in the breast. Cause like the breast is just a big modified salivary gland, but now there is evidence to suggest that it's actually a neoplasm um, with genetic alterations in the PI3 kinase pathway and most frequently P10. So with hmm. molecular, we oh. are just finding so many things out, right? Terrifying. Wow terrifying. That was tough. That was tough. <laughs> it was, it was, but Brett, you did great. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you have won enough to get your very own path pod clear ruler. How do you feel? I'm honored. I'm relieved. I was so anxious for this. I was like, oh gosh, but I'm so happy to have, uh, gotten the ruler and yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, you did awesome. You did awesome. And definitely the pediatric pathologists are lucky to be getting you on their future team. So. Oh, thank you so hey. much. Well, congrats. 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 I look forward to seeing so lots of here. cats in the differential of like placental tumors. <laughs> yeah, right. Really, uh -huh. But like, I feel like this, <laughs> is, this is what I've always wanted is like, I've never described an entity. And honestly, the only reason I want to describe an entity in addition to like, you know, furthering medical knowledge, whatever, is to give it like an accurate I want to name like, I don't know, like kittens or something. Could be a whole syndrome, like the Kirpiel syndrome could be cats, tumor in the placenta with something else. I think that would be really <laughs> oh cool. Oh my gosh, I yeah. have an idea. Yes. What if we started a rumor and we don't even define we it? Started we started a rumor. Kittens, and then we're like, hey, has anyone considered kittens here? <laughs> and just see what the response is. Because I bet a lot of people would be like, what? No. See, oh, I, I think some people would be like, yeah, I did. And it's not it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not kittens. And they would be right. It's definitely not kittens. <laughs> I love Are this with me? Are we doing kittens? Kittens <laughs> I think that should be in the differential of anything. It just might be kittens. It might yeah. be kittens. Kittens. I'd ha it'd have to be some benign entity, though. I don't want to name kittens for some like terribly aggressive, horrible tumor. We'd have to find some benign entity that was thought to be reactive, find a like characteristic molecular alterations, maybe in the hedgehog pathway, which is one of my favorites. And then we could call it kittens. I feel mm -hmm. like I have kittens. To be you have kittens. <laughs> if I were to diagnose my situation. You're like, you have kittens. I think I might have kittens. You might have Did kittens. you do the fish for kittens? Make sure you, you do that fish for kittens. Well, I mean, there's already sea kit, right? So like it could be related to the gist somehow. Anyway. Mm -hmm. All right. I love this idea. I think you should start the rumor and you okay. heard it here, folks. The next use cap 
late breaking right. hot topics abstract platform, platform. is going to be on kittens. Kittens. Mm-hmm. kittens and guys it's not just for the people who are on the show it's for those of you who are listening yes all of you because we're over fifty thousand downloads kittens movement. go forth and be spread kittens. part of it spread kittens, kittens. everywhere kittens. it's going to bring so much joy and confusion see like i, I see glitter <laughs> glitter glitter Oh, kittens, kittens. All right. So now it's time for our special pathologist guest, Dr. Dante, to play the game. So tell us a little bit uh, about yourself. So Kosibi Dante, I was born in Togo, actually, West Africa. I've been here since 2000. I speak French. I have a nickname, Fofo. So if you were to go to my hometown and, and say, you know, I'm looking for Kosibi Dante, my family, they'll look at you like, what? <laughs> Who's Kosivi? I mean, everyone knows me by Fofo, F-O-F-O. That's my nickname. So huh. that's something about myself, right? Yeah. Is there a story yeah. behind that nickname that you can share? No, it means friend, buddy. I mean, it means nothing. But <laughs> I, I guess my mom decided to call me Fofo when I was a baby. And yeah, I've been called Fofo ever since. All right. The next time I see you at a meeting, I'm going to call you Fofo. Uh, yeah. I hope that and won't be disrespectful. Like, who's... No, it won't be. It won't be. Um, yeah. And so I went to med school in Nebraska, residency in Vermont, and fellowship at UPMC, and and I've been practicing for the past five years. And did you always want to be a pathologist growing up? Yes, I always wanted to be. My uncle, he passed away, but he was a forensic pathologist, so I always want to be pathologist. I was always fascinated by diseases, processes, and stuff like that, the pathology of things. That's wonderful. I mean, I think that really yeah. speaks to the role of role models, right? Is, you know, so that's many right. of us come to pathology from strong that's role right. models in our lives. Right. That's true. What's your favorite part of being a pathologist? I don't know. Someone said it, but answering questions, you know, figuring out things, giving people answers, you know, telling folks, because you get a biopsy, you see it at home, you don't know what's wrong. And, you know, we... We give you an answer. We make a diagnosis. We tell you what's wrong and then you can get treated. Or we tell you nothing's wrong with you and then you get good news. So that's that's my favorite part. Yeah. I love being able to give benign results. That's the best, you know? Right, right. Yeah. And what's your best piece of advice for life, medicine, anything? Best piece of advice. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy, you know, you got to enjoy things right now, right away. I mean, don't wait until, you know, don't work hard and, Tell yourself, you know, I'm going to do this when I retire because you may never do it. You just have to enjoy the moment, do things you want to do right now. Don't wait until tomorrow. Just have to do it. And yeah, enjoy the process and enjoy the moment. Do what you want to do right away. Don't wait. I love it. I think that's one of the things that I've definitely taken away from pathology is tomorrow is not promised to any of us. Right? It's not a promise. No, it's not a promise. Yeah, just, just do it. Just go for it. Right, if you can. You. yeah yeah great advice great advice all right so the way this game is going to work is that lauren and brett are each going to tell two truths and one lie either about their own lives or pathology and kosivi you are going to try to guess which one is the lie lauren are you ready okay two truths and a lie i own my own home i never wanted to be a dancer when i grew up and i have 11 nieces and nephews Hmm. You never wanted to be a dancer. That's the lie. Yes. I danced yay, for about years. <laughs> <laughs> yay. Yay. Yes. Good. Her face, her face wow. was like so stoic. That's so good. No, that was amazing. Like an amazing yeah. performance by both of you with Lauren. Just the like total poker face. I know. And then to see me, like you honed right in on that. So you danced for 10 years, Lauren? Yep, dance for 10 years, ballet, tap, jazz, palms, cheerleading, the whole gambit. And then I married my husband, has three sisters. And so I have a boatload of kids in my family. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. Do you still have fine time to dance in, I mean, your limited free time as a medical student? Not as much like choreography, but I do entertain my daughter with some killer dance moves while I'm cooking dinner. Nice, nice. Okay. And that's the most important person to entertain, right? All right. Cool. All right, Dr. Dante, you are doing awesome. Next up is Brett with his truth and a lie. All right. Okay. So here are mine. 
My first one, I own 10 pairs of Crocs in various colors. The second one, I've seen every episode of The Golden Girls at least four times. And then my last one is, I did all the baking for my wedding by myself. Ooh. That's tough. You did all the baking for your wedding by yourself. That's a lie. That is true. I did oh all the baking by myself. Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> Ooh, uh, talk it has about to stressful. be A. A's the lie. I'm going to go with A's the lie. You're right. You're right. It's A. <laughs> okay, listen, uh. guys. Here's what. I have watched. I have the same thing with the Golden Girls. Anyone here not seen the Golden Girls ever? I've right, only so seen like clips, not full episodes. I'm sorry. Dorothy, I've, myself. I've seen the whole thing. Right? Oh, There's yeah. Dorothy, Blanche, Sophia, and Rose. Everyone in the world can be broken down into one of those four people. So, Brett, tell us. Who are you? You know, I feel like some days I'm a Rose. Just a little airheaded, wandering around the world. <laughs> But then some days I also feel like a Sophia and I have a snappy attitude, you know, know, we could all be all of them. Mike, who do you think I am? I'm definitely a Sophia. Definitely. A dangerous question to ask one spouse, right? Exactly. On on a, on a podcast. I'm so glad Michael didn't say anything. He's so smart. He didn't say anything. He was, I was actually unmuting. I was going to ask you guys to tell me who I am because I've never seen the show, but I feel like now I want you guys to tell me who I am. I'm going to, I'm what? I'll let you know. I'll tell you. I'll watch it and I'll tell you. (laughs) Brett, what's your guess for Sarah? Uh, She's so kind. I feel like she's a rose just from the kindness aspect, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, everybody fooled. (laughs) 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 Sorry, wait, I forgot to mute myself with the evil laughter. Oops. Thank you. I'll have to watch and and see. So, all right. You successfully fooled Dr. Dante. Excellent. Excellent. So we're still going to send you the Path Pod Ruler Cassidy. I think you did an excellent job. And so, yes, congrats, congrats. And then now is the most stressful time of the show for me when our guest is going to stump the chump for Cameron and myself and Christina. Right. Ooh, yes, I'm ready to totally fall on my face and be supported by my colleagues, Cameron and Christina in this endeavor. Cassivia, are you ready to stump us? I am ready. All right. I'm as ready as so I'll ever be, I guess. So let's start. So this disease was described in 1965, which was four years before I described this with my colleague from South Africa. What disease am I? Hmm. So I described this in 69 with a colleague from South Africa. But before I did, in 65, it's been described by a French pathologist. In fact, in France, they don't call it blank slash blank disease. It's called... Rosai Dorfman and Dorfman. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Rosai Dorfman. How did, so how did you get that? I don't know why. Well, Togo used to be a French colony. I speak ah. French, so we study, you know, French. So it was described by Pierre Paul Louis Lucien de Tom in 1965. Wow. So what do they call Before it? Rosa. Amazing. We they call it Rosai Dorfman. What do they call it? They call, they call it Maladie de Tom. The Tom's disease. I think now they put all the three names now. Like most people are trying to just put all the three names, except in the US. So it was described <laughs> in 1969 in South Africa? No, saying? no, it was discovered in 1969 by Rosai and Dorfman. But the Tom described it in 1965. Oh, fascinating. In French, in French literature. Yeah, oh. I thought you guys would like it. I love it. Wow, that is fascinating. So, so the Tom is spelled D. E-S-T-O-M-B-E-S. Congratulations, right. Arnold. Wow. I was nowhere <laughs> that, near that's that. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I'd heard the story that Rosa Dorfman had been described. Okay. Oh, you did. Amazing. Right. Cassidy, do you have more for us? I have another one from the 1930s to the 1960s. So how was a uh, urine pregnancy test performed? Oh, you know know that one. This came up from a prior path pod. It was frogs, right? That were used in, yes. So the frog will get injected with the urine and then get put in a flask with water. And the next morning they'll ovulate and then you see the egg in the water and, you know, the egg will float. And then it meant the pregnancy test was positive. I don't uh, remember this at all. Do you imagine? I think you may have locked it Imagine out in your memory because frogs. it was so traumatic. Give me how many frogs. Oh my yeah. gosh. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was 99.9% effective. 
wouldn't that be I'm like who came up with this like this is just such um, an interesting again it's like, south african two south africans i, I think wow. i would just love to know like the insights behind what happened with their thought process and let's try this let's grab that frog and do this thing and watch that thing for tomorrow it's <laughs> fascinating it is fascinating That's- and i wanted to google it but i didn't have time but there used to be like in ancient egypt they used to do something with the urine and uh, with seeds I that's think. right yeah and yes. so basically i think depending on the beta hcg or whatever in the urine the seeds would sprout or not sprout so like this was like really ancient antiquity and so people would know if you're pregnant because of that i look it up but in any case it's very fascinating i feel like in in a lot of medical history there's things like is it the pigeon serum or pigeon egg something is used in the blood bank i'm blanking on this i'm obviously not doing cp but i feel like the history is probably littered with you know creatures being subjected to urine in different ways to see if the result could be achieved. And I feel like we need to put another disclaimer here. Don't go injecting frog with urine, (laughs) please, for your pregnancy test. If you can't find one at the store, don't just go out in your backyard. It cannot be held liable for anything that happens due to that. Keep your urine to yourself, folks. Keep your urine urine to yourself. To yourself. That's Dr. Arnold's advice, folks. I'm on blood Mm -hmm. bank right now, and it's guinea pig urine. Oh, it's guinea pig urine. Yeah, for the SDA antigen, and also pigeon eggs. Pigeon eggs. For the P1 antigen, yeah. Thank you. you. Oh, my God. Bonus points to Brad. Bonus points, right? Bonus (laughs) points. Listen, I can't take credit. I did have my CP compendium with me. Oh, very good. Very good. Take credit, Brad. You can't take credit. You can definitely (laughs) take credit. I was like, I got it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Thing. They used to use urine to whiten your teeth too, right? Oh, wow. Oh, no, because they, they used to use, I think, urine as a source of ammonia. And ammonia is a cleaning That's product. right. Yep. That's right. That's right. Mm. Can you imagine so the amount of many. urine? Yeah. I mean, I think it just speaks to a lot of ingenuity. Like, what were you doing with all that guinea pig urine? I mean... Like, let's and find a use for it. Think of how many do- things they tested. situation too. You know, they're always like licking and their teeth are always looking good. <laughs> it's like, maybe they're brushing their teeth. I'm going to think of it that way. <laughs> oh. All right. Kasibi, do you have more? No, I only had two. Oh, those were so good. I like the medical history. I like the medical Love history. Love it. All right. Well, sadly, that brings us to the end of our show today. I have had so much fun. I feel like our future is so bright with folks like Lauren and Brett joining us. And I just thank you all so much for taking the time to be here with us, sharing your brilliance, your stories, and your insights with us. And I wish all of you a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Sarah. Great experience. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Take care. And save the frogs. Save the frogs. Save the frogs. Keep your urine to yourself. Keep your urine to yourself. Exactly. Go catch kittens. (laughs) All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks, Sarah. It was a great experience. Thank you. Bye. Support for the free PathBond podcast comes from listeners who like it and share it with their friends. So go ahead, share the link, and be sure to subscribe to PathPod wherever you download your podcasts. PathPod is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not medical advice. As always on the podcast, any views expressed there are solely those of the person speaking and do not necessarily represent their employers, their affiliated institutions, their affiliated professionals, organizations, or other speakers on the program, their friends, their families, their pets, or anyone involved in the production and distribution of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Pass Hard.